I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Yeah, this is our Valentine's Day episode, and we are going to be talking about the greatest love story to ever come out of Marvel Comics. I'm talking about Deadpool. And man, this is one that we've wanted to talk about for a while. By yeah, the time basically this e- since the merger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the time this episode is released, I believe the first trailer for Deadpool 3 would already be out. So Yeah, as as we're recording this, the Super Bowl has not yet aired, and uh, there is a rumor that we might get the first trailer at the Super Bowl. By the time you hear this, you will probably know whether or not we got that trailer. Yeah. So we haven't seen it yet because it hasn't been released yet. So, yeah. But uh, Deadpool, the Marvel character, the Merc with the Mouth, a movie that has that has taken so long to get made. And, well, I mean, after Deadpool's first theatrical appearance. Oh, can we just forget about that? uh, Yeah, I mean, we, we do have to mention that just for you know, completion's sake. I need that that Men in Black Neuralizer thing for, mm. for that whole movie. Yeah, X-Men Origins Wolverine, which tried to tell us the origin of Wolverine and uh, gave us Deadpool with, yeah, the Merc with the mouth with his mouth sewn shut. The Merc without a mouth. Yeah, with that weird eye paint burn thing and 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 katana wolverine claws and cyclops eye beams and just uh i don't know how ryan reynolds got through that because he's a big fan of the character yeah it's like his favorite character and he was so excited to be playing deadpool Mm mm-hmm and I cannot imagine getting basically your dream role and then getting there and, oh, before I finish this sentence, uh, this is an R-rated movie and therefore it's an R-rated podcast. If you've got the littles in the room, bye-bye, littles. We, we're going to have a great movie for you next week, but this is not the movie for you. Go watch Bluey. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yes, we are going to be talking, having an R-rated conversation about this fucking movie. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but I can't imagine Ryan Reynolds being uh getting this part that he's wanted, like you know, probably his entire acting career, and then getting on set and learning that they fucked it up so bad. Yeah. And then now you're under contract and it's like, oh, you have to do this awful version of your favorite character. 
And yeah, after the movie came out, there was talk of a possible Deadpool movie because at the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine, there was that post-credit scene that showed that Deadpool Wade Wilson survived and like, oh, we're going to get this version of Deadpool. Like they got who the fuck wants that version of Deadpool? Like prior to his transformation into Weapon Eleven, Wade was pretty spot on in that movie. He was a smart ass. Like like for the most part, while it wasn't on the level as this movie, they because it wasn't an R rated movie. True. But he was still a smartass. He was still wisecracking to the annoying degree, which is Wade Wilson. Yeah, and that's that's why they had the thing of, like, you know, sewing his mouth shut and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the beginning of the movie, I kind of had hope. And then I don't know about when you saw... Wolverine I did not see I knew about what was going on because it was on the everyone was talked about it online I did not see X-Men Origins Wolverine until it hit the home video market oh no I saw it opening night oh and nobody knew what was coming because that had not leaked so I went to a theater a packed theater like full of fanboys Mm-hmm. And everybody was digging Wade. Because mm-hmm. you're right, in the first part of that movie, he was fun. And then all of a sudden, they do the, like, Deadpool reveal. And Wolverine makes that, like, well, I guess they finally found a way to shut you up. And the entire audience absolutely turned on that film i mean it was vicious thank god they went back and redid that scene in deadpool 2 yeah i mean we will get to that we will get to that because i want to talk about deadpool 2 sooner rather than later but today is not that day um but yeah i have i have rarely seen an audience turn on something so fast I mean there were like boos and like people screaming obscenities at the screen <laughs> like my theater did not take that like prior to X-Men Origins Wolverine Deadpool only had very little exposure in media because he's not a family-friendly character he had like one second of an appearance in the x-men 90s cartoon and he didn't say a word yeah it was it was a cameo yeah you know it was like if you know you know and he was i think the only other appearance he had was in like some of the Marvel video games, like Marvel Ultimate Alliance and something like that, or Marvel versus Capcom. But like, this is a move, the feature film debut of this character, and we were told we were going to get this character, and they get it so wrong. And like, you I know, have no, 
I have no problem with Deadpool being the final boss of the movie for Wolverine. That is a great idea. Having, you know, Logan be this very ultra serious, you're going to come after me, Bob, and then having Wade be the smart Alec who's killing for fun. That would actually be a great ending, but no. Yeah, but and and I think a bunch of us started feeling bad for Ryan Reynolds because he kept getting all these parts that should have been great. And then the movies kept fucking up the characters. Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Boy, was that a mess. Why did they call Guy Gardner Hal Jordan? Yeah, that that was messed up. Brian Reynolds hey. could play a great Guy Gardner, but why were they calling him Hal Jordan? I mean, he did play a great Guy Gardner, honestly. Yes. <laughs> Just by the wrong name. <laughs> um. So, yeah, it you just began to feel bad for him and all. But then, bless this man, he decided to really go to bat for Deadpool. He was like, you know what? Fuck it. Deadpool deserves better. And really started working behind the scenes to get Deadpool like an actual true-to-character film. A movie that almost did not happen. Pre-production effect shots kind of made to kind of show what the movie was going to be, and they were going to shelve the movie, and then mysteriously someone released that pre-production footage to the internet, and then everyone says, oh, this is what the Deadpool movie is going to be? Sign me up. Make this movie. To this day, no one knows who leaked it and no one's saying anything, but I'm pretty sure the person that leaked it rhymes with Mayan Menelds. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that one of the things that got Ryan Reynolds interested in doing Deadpool was that in one of the comics, they referred to the look of Deadpool as looking like Ryan Reynolds. So it it got back to, to Ryan Reynolds and he kind of fell in love with the character and he was like, you know, I really would like to play this character. And he had worked with the screenwriter on Blade. And the two of them had talked about Marvel Comics, because, of course, played being Marvel as well. And they had talked about Deadpool and that joke in Deadpool. And wouldn't it be cool to make a Deadpool movie? And that was even before the Origins Wolverine thing. So the Deadpool movie was in talks at least between Ryan Reynolds and the screenwriter long before the the Wolverine movie. Hmm. Um and then the Wolverine movie came along and he like really campaigned to be in that when he found out they were going to use Deadpool 
is my understanding at least. And then when they fucked that up, he went back to the screenwriter and was like, hey, can we maybe see about rebooting Deadpool and doing it right this time? Also, Ryan Reynolds, actual Canadian. Yeah. Deadpool Canadian. We actually have a Canadian playing a Canadian. Yep, yep, yep. Unlike uh, an Australian playing a Canadian. Mm. And I believe they did make one change for the film, but they actually had Ryan Reynolds' hometown. Yeah, for Regina. Wade, for yeah. Wade's hometown in this movie. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it took him, you know, years and a lot of cajoling. <laughs> the cool thing is, is that once it finally, you know, got started, the everybody kind of really got on board when they realized how faithful Ryan Reynolds wanted to be to the actual comics. Like how Ryan Reynolds, let's be real, Ryan Reynolds, a lot of his aura surrounds his looks. Ryan Reynolds is a very handsome man. So for someone that is a very handsome man to either be under heavy prosthetics for most of the movie or wearing a mask. Because we've talked, I mean, there's been a lot of talk over the years of actors in superhero movies flexing their egos, wanting what is referred to as FaceTime, not the app FaceTime, but their face shown on screen. This is their face shown on screen. This is why if you watch a superhero movie, a superhero will take their mask off multiple times in the movie because the actor wants their face shown on screen. Ryan Reynolds wanted this thing to be so faithful that rather than cutting the idea of him having these scars all over his body or wearing a mask for most of the time, Ryan Reynolds could have easily pulled rank on that. Like, I'm not going under any prosthetics. I'm going to have my face shown throughout the movie. He could have done that. And kudos for him for not doing it. Kudos for him for being so faithful to this character to wear those prosthetics, to wear that mask throughout the movie. So kudos to Ryan Reynolds for having that, that for being so faithful to this character to, for lack of a better term, sacrifice his looks for the integrity of the character. Well, the interesting thing is, is that having him in the mask so much, I heard that they were able to... Um, because the mask was CGI and all that, and he was under the mask for so much of the movie, I heard that they were able to go back and do ADR at the end of the movie and add in better jokes. Yeah, also relevant jokes to the time, because at the time this movie came out, a certain spokesman for a certain sandwich place was... Um, in trouble. So they decided to throw that joke in the movie. Yeah, that that is in here. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's interesting um 
some of the things they were able to get away with because of, you know, the way they filmed it. But it's kind of like, you know, the the two Judge Dredd movies. Yeah. You know, where, like, Stallone was like, no, I'm going to constantly have my face shown. And then Carl Urban was like, no, he never takes his mask off. Why would I? Mm-hmm. Y- you know? I I really appreciate when somebody will go to bat for a character. And I like that this was one time when when somebody used their clout to be like, okay, I got hoodwinked into doing a bad version of this character and I am going to use every bit of my fame and fortune to rectify that horrible mistake. So, bravo, Ryan Reynolds. Let's let's talk about how this uh, this turned out. I, I do have a couple of other things that I want to get to before we really get into the movie itself. Uh, we have Colossus in the movie, and uh, Daniel Cudmore, who played Colossus in the other Fox X Men movies, X Men Two, X Men Three, was offered the role of Colossus in this movie. He turned it down because he would have to be in a mocap suit for most of the movie and he would have to do the Russian accent. While he was not opposed to doing a Russian accent, he did not like the idea of his character being completely CGI for the whole movie and having to wear a mocap suit for the entire film. I don't blame the guy. Uh, the, the story I really want to get into this, though, is the character of Negasonic Teenage Warhead. And Negasonic is a, at the t- even at the time of this movie's release, was a relatively new character. Um, had only been in the comics uh, at this point since this is, so about 10 years, which in comic book terms is yesterday. Yeah. Compared to characters like Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and all of them. So Negasonic Teenage Warhead in the original comic was a sort of gothic gothic character. Black hair, pale skin. Died in her first appearance. Not gonna lie. Negasonic Teenage Warhead dies in her first appearance. But in the comic books, her powers are... Telekinesis. She's a psychic. In the movie, her powers are fire-based. So, originally, Negasonic was not even supposed to be in this movie. Colossus's little trainee psychic was supposed to be Cannonball. But they decided that they had too many... That they wanted to have another female character in the movie. And that everyone involved really liked the name... Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Obviously named after the song Negasonic Teenage Warhead by Monster Magnet. I'm wondering how many Monster Magnet fans we have listening to the podcast. Probably none. So they wanted to give Negasonic the powers of Cannonball. 
Now, in order to do that, they needed to ask permission from Marvel. As this is happening, over at Marvel, James Gunn is writing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And he wants to use the character of Ego the Living Planet in the movie. But the problem is, Marvel Studios did not have the movie rights to Ego the Living Planet. Now, we've talked about this before, how Marvel likes to divide their characters up into families. How you have the X-Men family and the Hulk family and the Spider-Man family and all of their related characters. Ego the Living Planet is actually part of the Fantastic Four family. As that, as that character first appeared in a Fantastic Four comic book. So when this came up with changing Negasonic's powers, uh, Fox and Marvel Studios came to an agreement that they would allow they, they would allow Negasonic's powers to be changed for the films in exchange that Fox allow James Gunn to use the character of Ego the Living Planet in Guardians 2. Which I believe is which to me is such an amazing story. <laughs> And such happenstance in that regard. So, of course, they completely change Negasonic's look. They they get rid of the goth girl look entirely, kind of going for a punk look with the shaved head. The 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 look that the look is so popular that when they brought the character back into the comics after the movie came out, she now looks like she does in the movie with the shaved head and everything. So. Well, the interesting thing is, is that the idea of the shaved head came from the idea that her powers kept burning off her hair. <laughs> so that every time she used her powers, it would just burn her hair away. Mm. And that was the idea behind the kind of more punk rock look, is that she couldn't have, like, long hair and, like, really, like, gothy kind of, you know, whatever hair. Because every time she used the, like, big blast powers, it would burn her hair away. I mean, it burns her clothes away during the final during the final battle. She's just wearing the yellow X-Men uniform underneath. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's get into this thing. Major changes in the movie is that we completely erase Weapon X from the movie entirely. Like, Deadpool's original comic origin was that he was part of the Weapon X program. They gave him... He was not born a mutant. He is... The movie does classify him as a mutant. But in the comics, he was he was not born with a mutation. Part of the Weapon X program was giving him a mutation. Taking Weapon X out of here is against the comics, but the way they set up the story of this shady organization that gives people superpowers and sells them off to secret armies to enslave people. Not off, not completely off of what Weapon X is. I kind of like that, you know, the idea of Weapon X was they would find mutants and then they would do experiments on them to see, like, you know, how far their mutations would go and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was also an expansion of the Super Soldier program. Yeah. 
But the thing I like about the the shady, you know, let's turn people into super slaves organization in here is that it's the idea of, you know, okay, so in the comics, you've got the idea of the X gene. That is what differentiates Homo sapiens from Homo superior. You know, the regular humans from mutants. And so Homo superior has the X gene and Homo sapiens does not. But I like the idea of that maybe some people have like a dormant X gene that was not activated at puberty like your typical Homo superior mutant. Because in the comics, that's how it works. If you have the X gene, it gets activated right around puberty. And that's how you differentiate mutants from regular humans. And the idea behind this is that it seems that some people, and Wade is one of them, have a dormant form of the X gene that this serum they've discovered can activate if you use the serum in combination with enough adrenaline and stress on the body. In a similar way that puberty does it to, to the human body. Yeah. So it's it's a chemical reaction, but it has to be so much more heightened because it's a dormant version of the gene. And you're an adult, not a child. Yeah. And so they do it via horrific torture. But we know that it doesn't work in everybody. They're, they're just picking up people in dire circumstances and telling them we can cure whatever is wrong with you. We can make you a superhero. So they get weighed because they tell him that they have like an experimental cure for cancer. And we see them picking up people that are like junkies and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So we know they're preying on people who are in like rock bottom states. As, as Wade says it. When you reach the stage of fuck it. Yeah. And so we know that they're preying on random people. And we know it doesn't work on everybody. Because we see the guy that Wade is talking to in the lab. And we know that that guy never got a mutation. And we know that, you know, Francis says to wade we torture you until the gene expresses itself or you just die so we know that it it's just a a random happenstance so they're they're basically just luring people in and hoping that they hit upon somebody with a dormant x gene 
And anybody that doesn't, you know, throw them on the pile. We, it's interesting to think of in this context, how many people might have a dormant X gene. And as much as I, you know, I mean, we've already talked about how much I I freaking hate the, uh, to Fox X-Men movies. Um, it does kind of tie in with what Magneto was trying to do in that first X-Men movie. Yeah, but trying to activate uh, Senator Kelly's dormant X gene, it just went horribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, it it's a similar idea of, you know, I'm not sure if Magneto kind of understood what he was doing, but it does seem like a similar idea. Hmm. That, you know, there are people out there who just have a weakened form of it that never expresses naturally, but maybe if you had the right chemicals or something. The right circumstances. Yeah, then it would express and more people would go through that mutation. Everyone in this facility seems to have been a former, for lack of a better term, patient. As Francis says, he started out on the table and they gave him powers. We can presume that Angel also went through that process. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, she has powers. So she's either a natural mutant that she she's just working for them as a you know mercenary or something or you know same thing Mm -hmm. it's interesting that some of them seem to have had the choice of you can either be sold off as a super slave to somewhere else or you can be the people turning other people into super slaves Which is a really dark thought. I like when things stick to to the source material, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say I really like the changes here. Mm -hmm. Because I like how it's kind of separating itself from an unfortunate previous rendition. (laughs) Because we've already talked about how much I dislike the... The previous, you know. Mm-hmm. But let's let's back up a little bit and talk about, you know, how poor Wade gets himself in this situation. Because this is, after all, a Valentine's movie. Yeah, this movie came out on Valentine's Day. And obviously the original trailer had it in your typical superhero movie trailer. But they did the second trailer going off the fact that this was releasing on Valentine's Day recontextualizes the scene as a romantic comedy. I don't know if you saw that, ever saw that trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But, yeah, it's like, if that was the only trailer you saw going into the movie, you would be very shocked. Although, I will say, um, Mr. Poole, women watch superhero movies, too. Yeah. because there's that line, oh, my boyfriend said this was a superhero movie. 
I understand that that was not the intention of the line, but even watching it in the theater, it was like, uh, cringe. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit cringe, but let, yeah. But like you said, let's back up here to the beginning of the story. Wade Wilson working now as a mercenary for hire for this organization that specializes in buying mercenaries to take care of people who need to be taken care of. One night in this organization, he meets a woman named Vanessa. They hit it off. She is a lady of the evening. She is selling her services. It's an it's an R-rated podcast. You you can say hooker. She's a prostitute. She's a prostitute. She sells herself. She offers mu- she offers her services to Wade. Uh, good guy Wade does not immediately take her to bed. He does he does take her on a date. Ski ball. Ski ball. Time to put some balls in some holes. <laughs> I mean, good guy Wade because he obviously again. Marina Bacharin is a beautiful woman, so I don't blame you, Mr. Wade Wilson. Even she is questioning it. Like, I thought you liked vaginas. I didn't think this is where you were going to go with this. Yeah, but the but the thing is, is like, you know, he doesn't want a one-night stand. He wants a girlfriend. Yeah, and if they hit it off. They have a great... I assume it's a like a, a a Dave and Buster's type establishment because there's games and you win tickets and you trade them in for prizes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they hit. They have a, their date. They hit it off. They go to bed and they keep having sex for an entire year. That entire calendar girl scene, which is one of the greatest scenes ever put to film. Yeah. Happy International Women's Day. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting down. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but uh kudos, kudos to Wade for having the courage to get pegged. Yeah, no. Well, I mean he is he is pansexual. Mm. So But uh yeah, and after seemingly their relationship lasting about a year or so, he Pops the question, he asks her to marry him, and they, right after she says yes, he collapses, and he finds out that he has terminal cancer of the everything. Let's, that's, I mean, they, they have a lot, they say a lot of body parts, but let's be real, he has cancer of the everything. Yeah. Uh, Wade, like a punk, decides, like, that he's just going to leave her instead of, you know, staying. Because I want you to remember me like I was. I don't want to put you through this. Way, 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 way. Shut up, Wade. It, that is kind of the romantic comedy kind of thing. Is that I'm dying. I don't want you to see me die. I want you to remember as me as the hot stud I look like now. But I love that moment they're in the office and he's just looking at her. He, you know, he says, you know, she's go, she's going through every plan imaginable to try to save me, and all I want to do is remember what her face looks like. I mean, that is sweet. And then he abandons her and doesn't even say goodbye. And uh, you're a punk, Wade. 
shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. That's that's not the way you do it. That's the coward's way out. And he and he does try to justify it, you know, preventing pain from someone you love. Isn't that what heroes do? No, it's not. You're being a coward. Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. That's like the worst thing Wade does in the in the entire movie. I don't give a shit about like the the murders and the decapitations and the like all the other shit he does. That one bit is the absolute worst thing Wade Wilson ever does in two movies. Yeah. Like suck it up and realize you are not the only person in the world and there are people who care about you and it is not all about you. Uh, But if he didn't, he wouldn't have become Deadpool. Okay, but still. Yeah. You're you're a punk. But yeah. I mean, I get that the plot needs to happen, Mm -hmm. but you know, flashing forward to the end when she beats the shit out of him for what he did. Totally valid. I think he kind of goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I do love in this movie is the, I mentioned the test footage and how they recreate the test footage for the opening scene of the movie. That entire car chase is based on that test footage. And I know someone did it. Like They took that test footage and compared it to the final film. And it's spot on. Almost shot for shot. But that scene is so cool. Even in the live action, it's so cool. And especially when you see the still frame version at the beginning with Angel in the Morning playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have to mention that. The opening credits. Yeah, the opening credits to this movie are maybe the best opening credits to any movie ever. Starring God's Perfect Idiot. Yeah. And, you know, the writers being the real heroes. <laughs> you know, like... Um, and how the, the coffee cup says Rob L. on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the little things like that. Um, there's, there's a picture of I don't know who it is, but they're in a Green Lantern costume. Oh no, that's that's Ryan Reynolds. Oh. Yeah, no, that's that's just straight up Ryan Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that whole opening sequence as it goes through and all that is so funny. Um, and then of course when it backs up and you see how. It got to that point, mm-hmm. and you finally get the the full context. The fact that they kept the fourth wall breaking in the movie. Oh in yeah, that, in absolutely. That scene where he just straight up starts talking to the camera. Oh, hello there. I know what you're thinking. Who whose balls did I have to fondle to get my own movie? <laughs> and then he does the Australian accent, <laughs> which I love. The great the great thing about it is like it's so much fun 
to watch because, like, can we just talk about how I love that they did not skimp on the gore? I mean, R-rated movie. And, and, and the fact that they actually went with the gore, all bloody, all keeping it an R rating and not making it a PG-13 movie, not cheaping out on it, and it's it's true to the character. I mean, R-rated superhero movies tend not to make a lot of money. I'm, let's be real. Because... People think that the main audience for a superhero movie is going to be kind of like younger teenage. In some cases, children. And and in some cases, children. But honestly, let's be let's be for real. Since the MCU started coming out, they're making those movies for adults. That's that's not children's movies. The amount of swearing that they can get away with in a PG thirteen movie, and and people have complained about that. You know how you know I took my child to see the Avengers and they're all saying shits and dams and it's like uh, PG thirteen. What are you expecting? <laughs> now that the movie has been out for a while, I I I will say that I, I am very sad that they did not wait and give Wade the first. F-bomb in an MCU movie and instead gave it to Star-Lord. Yeah. But I am glad that was James Gunn's, like, final, like, mic drop. Yeah. Like, if he's leaving the MCU, I'm kind of glad that James Gunn got that that mic drop. Yeah. Good luck with DC, James. (laughs) You'll need it. Um, but yeah, but as far as that, like, that opening sequence, like, once it finally speeds up mm-hmm. and you get to see it, like, that bit where he, like, cuts off the dude's head and launches the body into the overpass mm-hmm. signage, like, <laughs> and then Colossus shows up later and he's like, look at all the destruction you've done. You killed a dude. And he's like, no, you can't blame me for that. It's not as bad as it looks. And then the dude's body falls off the sign. And he's like, he was like that when I got here. (laughs) (laughs) I've never said this to anyone before, but don't swallow. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, Although I gotta say like, I will admit to being a little bit jealous of Francis because mm. his superpower is that he no longer feels pain. Oh, yeah. And I might go through like some like a small amount of torture for a little bit if at the end of that that's what's on the other side of it because it might be worth it. Uh, yes, we uh, we we have mentioned it once or twice in the show. You you do have various illnesses that cause you physical pain on a daily basis. Yeah, I I I, I might be willing to make that trade off. But the thing about the X gene is, you never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, I mean, if I could be like, okay, that you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I might I might also do the the healing factor, even if I came out looking like Deadpool. Hmm. Like, I could look like a shriveled avocado. 
if it was like, I'll just heal from anything. They don't really explain it that well in the movie, but at least as far as the comics is concerned, it's just his cancer cells merged with his healthy cells. And he's just one giant tumor now. The thing is, though, is I gotta say, like, here's the here's the problem I have with the movie, mm-hmm. and it's a minor it's a minor quibble, mm-hmm. minor quibble. Um, in the comics, it comes out a little bit harsher, but you know, you were you were praising and rightfully so, our dear Mister Reynolds for being willing to be under prosthetics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But kind of the whole point of the movie and the reason he stays away from Vanessa and doesn't go back and everything is like, oh, look at me. I'm hideous. And everybody's like, oh, look at him. He's hideous. And, you know, but like he still looks like Ryan Reynolds. With like some mild facial scarring. Like, I'm sorry, but like. He doesn't look awful he still kind of looks like Ryan Reynolds Mm. I I mean I've seen worse and I love that he does a little bit of self deprivating humor in the movie about that like you think Ryan Reynolds got this far on his superior acting method yeah but it it's just a little weird like as as someone who finds men attractive and Ryan Reynolds not necessarily completely my type mm-hmm. but he is a an attractive man just mm-hmm. I, you know I'll admit that even in the Deadpool makeup not You'd entirely hit- unattractive You'd hit it <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I would, because I'm not sure I'd hit Ryan Reynolds just as himself. Like, mm. it's not entirely my type. But he doesn't look that different. Like, if you're in love with that guy, that's not the thing that's going to do it for you. You know, like, like that's not the deal breaker. If you're Vanessa and that's the love of your life and he has like an accident or something, you're still going to be in love with that guy. You're not going to break up with him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like if you're in love with him and he like got into an accident and got like, you know, burns on him or something. You are the asshole of the century if you're like, well, I'm going to break up with you now because you were in an accident. I feel like we had this conversation a few weeks ago for another movie. Yeah, but still, I mean, it bears repeating. Mm -hmm. And like, Wade, how like how little faith do you have in your woman? You know, like, first of all, you get sick and then you're like, I'm not going to stay around because I don't want to cause her pain and she's not going to love me anymore or whatever. And then you skip town. And then when you're like cured, but you just don't 
look the same way you did before. You're like, she's definitely not going to love me now. I look like an avocado. Then, like, fuck you, dude. Even Do at you the have end of, faith in your love or not? Even at the end of the movie, she's not disgusted by it. She says it's going to take some getting used to this face versus the old face. But as she says in the movie, it's a face I'm proud to sit on. Yeah. And then she immediately kisses him. Mm-hmm. So, like, she obviously loves him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I mean, you know, skip ahead to movie two. They're, like, planning a family together. So, I mean, obviously she's fine with him. Mm-hmm. Like, have faith in your woman. Like, hello, my dude. What is wrong with you? Sorry. I love this movie, and I love Wade Wilson, but that's, like, his one character flaw. I mean, that's kind of the point, is he's very superficial about his own looks. Like, she won't love me because I'm ugly now. She only loved me because I was hot. You know, I paid for a date with her, yes, but the fact that we stayed together after that date was because I was hot. I mean, dude, you are a murderer for hire. You think, like, the fact that you're hot is the reason she's with you? Like. And it's not like she needs someone to kill people for her. In that opening scene, she's very much handling herself with Fat Gandalf. Yeah. And also, it's not exactly like she needs, like money from him she's a very hot hooker i'm sure she's making bank and after at the end of the movie she's now working as a very prominent stripper yeah and but you know, like but like he offers her like 200 and something dollars and she's like that'll buy you like 40 minutes <laughs> like come on that's that's a pretty good hourly rate right there, you know? Like, <laughs> I think pretty much anybody would be happy to be making her hourly rate, you know? Yeah. Um, She can take care of herself. She has her own source of income that might be better than his because he refuses that paycheck at the beginning of the movie because he's like, I'm not taking babysitting money. Because the person who hired him was like a teenager, you know, mm-hmm. with a stalker. So, like, we don't really know what Wade's pulling down, but, you know, he's got like a kind of tiny little apartment and, you know. Mm-hmm. She's, she seems to be doing all right for herself, independent woman, all that. Yeah. So, like, she's got to be with him for some other reason other than just he's hot. I had wanted to talk about this earlier, but I forgot about it. But um, so a couple of years before the Deadpool movie came out, there was a Deadpool video game. And there there was this or is there there was a group called Team Headkick and Team Headkick primarily did songs about video games. And they did a song about the Deadpool video game called the Deadpool Rap. 
Now that song got pretty popular online. So much when this movie was announced, people were asking that this song be featured in the movie. Eventually, I don't know, someone heard it, maybe Ryan Reynolds himself, and they contacted Team Headkick and say, we want to put your song in the movie as is. Uh, Team Headkick decided, well, give us a minute, because the song is about the Deadpool video game and mentions characters and events in the Deadpool video game. They rewrote the song to be about the Deadpool movie. Hey goons, thugs, and bosses, guess what? I brought Colossus! Time's up, better count your losses! Kicking that ass as my girlfriend watches! But I do like the fact that Fox or Ryan Reynolds or whoever saw the online request for this song to be in the movie and said, sure, why not? Let's put the song in the movie. So all of you independent artists online who write songs about video games and comic books and fandom things, uh, don't give up. Your song might appear in a movie if there's enough demand for it. Yeah. But also, one thing I want to talk about is that the movie kind of makes fun of its own budget. Because obviously, this movie did not have a very high budget, at least compared to other superhero movies, especially to the other X-Men movies. And on top of that, its budget kept on getting slashed and slashed and slashed through production. This is why you see Deadpool forgetting his gun bag and he only has 12 bullets. That was to make up for the fact that they couldn't use the big guns ablazing ending that they originally scripted and the guns beginning thing that they originally scripted and had to go with a smaller contained ending with whatever they had. But honestly, maybe more superhero movies should have a smaller budget. Because we're seeing these big superhero movies, multi-billion dollar investments, and they're not bringing in the money that they used to. So I'm saying that maybe big budget blockbuster superhero movies may not be it anymore. Maybe take a little step back. I've heard some interviews, actually recently, with Ryan Reynolds. And he was talking about how, because he was a producer on this too, mm -hmm. and he was apparently very involved. And he said that on this one especially, because they had, I think, a slightly higher budget for the second one. But he said on this one specifically, they were forced to make it a a better movie, he thought. Because they had to become very creative because the stuff they wanted to do, they didn't have the budget to do. And so, like you said, they had originally had this, like, big guns ablazing ending. And 
they had to come up with the joke that he kept forgetting his guns and they had to become more inventive with how he took out the villains and stuff like that and be very judicious in their use of special effects and things like that. I mean, most of the special effects budget is going to Colossus. Yeah, or to Deadpool's mask. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't think about, but that's a really budget suck of CGI. His eyes are moving and giving him emotion, and his mouth is moving with whatever he's saying, even the rewritten ADR jokes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I'll take that over the attempt to make it mechanica, uh, mechanicalized for the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Because they kind of had to keep rewriting and rewriting because of the budget, I heard him talk about how they had to sit down and think about what is the most important part of the story. And he said he thought that made it a better film because they had to think about what is the most essential thing. What is the fluff here? What can we cut? And how do we become more creative in how we film this? How we plan the stunts? How we, you know, deal with the characters? And I think he's right, because we've talked about this with other movies. That sometimes when you're just given free reign and whatever you know, whatever budget you want, you tend to overdo it. I want to talk about probably my favorite side character in this movie, Blind Al. I love Blind Al! And I love that they got Leslie Huggums to play her! But, uh, yeah, Blind Al is just so fun and so sassy, and she's just give-no-fucks attitude. Like, she's had it up to here with Wade's bullshit, but she's going with it anyway because no one else seems to want to live with an old blind woman. Like, she she curses the name of Craigslist because Wade was seemingly the only one who who answered that that ad and now they live together. Yeah, I love how she can tell that He's because they meet in the laundromat when he's trying to get the blood out of his first costume, which is an all white hoodie. (laughs) And she can, I guess, smell the blood that he's trying to get out. And uh, she tells him like how to get blood out of clothing. And then she says, or just wear red. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you don't have to constantly scrub the the blood out. Um which I love. Yeah. Uh because we've already had him say earlier in the movie that he wears red so the bad guys can't see the blood. Yeah. Um 
And now you now now we see the the flashback to how he got the idea. Um but uh one of my favorite running gags in this is her trying to put together IKEA furniture. <laughs> yeah. And her and Wei kind of arguing and having deep discussions over the various IKEA furniture brands. Yeah. And like you letting like, would you like to put the, the the shelf together? Well, one of us has to go out and make money, and the other one has to cut to put together the furniture. Would you like to go out there and kill people? Yeah, and I love that that Blind Owl kind of keeps pulling a g- gun on people, but it's never aimed in the right direction. <laughs> And she's like, don't make me shoot. He's like, the wall, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, I love Blind Al. She gives no fucks. She just does not care. And she just doesn't take uh, Wade's bullshit. And it's like, they're the perfect pair for each other. I, I love how, like, when she, when, she, when she first beats him, she's like, oh, man, I miss cocaine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what life did Blind Al live before all of this? Well, the, the interesting thing is, is that we know that she wasn't always blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in one of the movies, and I forget which one, I, I think it's the first one, that, where she says, like... Dear Lord, why couldn't you take my hearing too? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because uh, um, yeah, there's the scene where during one of the fast forward segments we see uh, Wade masturbating while looking at a unicorn doll, and apparently Blind Al can hear that. Yeah, the great thing about her is that she is just so willing to stand up to like everybody that comes into her apartment you know like weasel comes in and she's like fuck off weasel (laughs) yeah especially especially with wade being trained assassin special forces murder machine and she's still willing to pull a gun on him you know (laughs) especially knowing that he can't die yeah that too like, even though, even if she wasn't blind, Deadpool can't die. He's still, so shooting him is kind of pointless. Yeah, but it would kind of be fun, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you had a roommate that really annoyed you. And, like, you could just, like, take a pop at him <laughs> because you knew they wouldn't die anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like a good way to get your frustrations out. <laughs> also, uh, another knock again, uh, another budget joke being that there's only two X Men whenever the, whenever we get to the mansion. Is that it, is my favorite running gag. I mean, I think every running gag is my favorite running gag. I know I've said that like three times already, <laughs> but. I just I love all the the random running gags of this where like Wade keeps showing up and he's like 
Seriously, there's there's only ever two. Look at this mansion. Why is there never anybody else around in the mansion? <laughs> it's almost like we can't afford another X Men. <laughs> yeah, and the 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 culmination of that joke in Deadpool too. <laughs> yeah, but the um the thing is is that I have to go on a little bit of a rant, and I I wanted to go on this rant when we did the the first X Men movie. Mm-hmm. Not long back, but that movie sucked so much that I kept ranting about everything else. Um, so I'm going to take a break from this good movie to rant about a thing that pisses me off. Go ahead. It is not the X-Jet. It is the Blackbird. Do you hear me? It is not the X-Jet. The X-Jet is a stupid name. I mean, even in that first movie, they refer to the to the plane as a Blackbird model. But it's still called the X-Jet. It is not the X-Jet. Stop calling it the X-Jet. The X-Jet is a stupid name. I think because Blackbird is a trademark term for a jet, that they just can't call it that in terms of toys. So they call it X-Jet on the toy. Because I remember having the toy of the Blackbird, and it was just called the X-Jet. And this was back in, like, 95, 96. It's the Blackbird. Copyright laws are stupid, and we should get rid of them. Mm. Um, Anyway, that that is my mini rant. Please call it the Blackbird. Even if the movie calls it the X-Jet, it is not the X-Jet. Know your comic history. Thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, one more side character I want to talk My second favorite side character in this movie, Dopinder. Dopinder! Yes, I love Dopinder. Dopinder the cab driver and his little side story of his lone little love triangle between Menjula and like his cousin, I think it is. No, Gita and uh, Gita, the, the his his beloved, and uh, his cousin. I can't remember his cousin's name, but yeah, his his douchebag cousin who is so much more handsome than he is, who stole the girl from him, and he's trying to win this girl back, and just this conversation that him and Wade have at the beginning of the movie and. Yeah, old Mr. Poole, I took your advice and I kidnapped him. He's in the trunk. <laughs> I did not tell him. Good job, Dopinder, good job. Yeah, I I love, love, love that, like, Dopinder gets the, gets, like, bloodlust <laughs> from, <laughs> from kidnapping his cousin. And of course, that leads his to his little thing in Deadpool too. Yeah, I'm gonna be so sad if he's not in Deadpool three. I really hope he's gonna be in Deadpool three. Um, him and Blind Al, like, like I know there's gonna be a lot. Well, of they've stuff. already they've already said that Leslie Uggams will be in Deadpool three. Mm-hmm. So she she has been announced. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. I haven't read whether or not Dopinder will be back, but I hope he will be. Um, but the, um, but the thing is, is like, 
we get that that side story where he kind of misunderstands what Deadpool says. Because Deadpool doesn't really tell him to go, like, kill... Kidnap anybody. Yeah, kidnap or kill anybody. But Dopinder kind of misreads the situation (laughs) and kidnaps his cousin and puts him in the trunk of the cab. And so when he picks up uh, Deadpool and Negasonic and Colossus for the uh, third act, you know, going into the the final battle, um, his cousin is in the trunk and Colossus is absolutely horrified. And Deadpool is like, you know, yeah, doing that thing that you were talking about where he's like, I did not tell you to do that. Good job. Good job. <laughs> like, um, But the, the funny thing is, is that the last we see of that in, in this film is that Joe Pender is distracted with, you know, like you said, Deadpool keeps leaving all his guns in, in the car because budget and he calls Dopender to be like hey come bring my guns back and it distracts Dopender and he gets into a car crash and somebody crashes into the the trunk and you know flashing ahead to Deadpool 2 we know that that cousin is dead yeah but we're not sure if he died in the car crash like as a result of the car crash or if Dopinder killed him later. I mean, he could still te- technically be alive in that trunk and died due to injuries later. Yeah, I mean, we hear him, like, screaming. <laughs> and then he doesn't. <laughs> as a result of the crash. Yeah. But all we know is that he's dead by the time of Deadpool 2. <laughs> um, And... Dopender has like a real bloodlust because he's like, I loved killing my cousin, you know, like I want more. Um, But the. So. His his thing uh, about that is like he sees Deadpool as somebody to look up to. Yeah. And we see the beginning of that arc in this film. Of, like, he wants to be, like, Deadpool. At first, Deadpool scares him. Because this is a mercenary killing machine who is gleefully talking about Christmas Day where he gets to kill the man that ruined his face. Yeah. But then Topender is like, I don't know, that seems kind of kind of awesome. You know, like, let's, let's do that. <laughs> Getting revenge on those who wronged you through murder? Sure. Why not? Going back to side characters, and we talked a little bit about the uh, the way they ended up putting Negasonic in this movie, but I want to talk about the way they portrayed her in this movie because I really like her character because... Uh, again, completely different from her comic counterpart. Like I said, died in her first appearance. But yeah, giving her the the moody teenager. They're even she, they, she's even credited as moody teenager in the intro. Yeah, and 
you know, Deadpool calls her out on it because she starts giving him lip when they first meet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, moody teenager, you're either going to say something mean or you're going to do a long silence. So which is going to be You going to say something mean or you're going to do a long silence. And then she's like, OK, you you, you kind of put me in a box here, you know, like. I, I don't know how te- to respond. As a former teenage girl yourself, uh, how would you go with that? Um, you still do the mean comments on this podcast. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really given to long silences. I I usually just go for the mean comment. Yeah, long that's silence, always served me better. Long silence doesn't really work in a podcast format. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They tend to get edited out. By some jerk who edits my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You should fire him. Yeah. The the thing is, though, is that he wins her over by being able to, like, match her vibe. Mm. Um, He's not put off by it, and he doesn't talk down to her. You know, she's like fuck you and he's like fuck you back you know like it's like and she respects it you know um which is kind of just the way to do it you know honestly but if you're like he he makes his little references and her response is fuck you're old and he's like yep don't care (laughs) honestly i gotta say if you're dealing with a petulant teenager and Having been a teacher of petulant teenagers, I I gotta say the the best thing that the best advice I can give somebody who's like, oh my god, I'm having to deal with a petulant teenager and I don't know how to deal with it, is like if they come at you with like, oh my god, you're not cool, you're too old, you're like whatever, be like. You know what? There has never been a single person on Earth who gives a fuck what a teenager thinks. <laughs> like, <laughs> because I swear to God, that shuts them up so fast. I hear that daily basis on various social medias. Like, people are complaining about, well, I'm old. Like, like uh, certain people of certain generations who are getting older. It's like, I'm getting old. I'm too young to get old. And, you know, young people are not understanding. It's like, why do you care what a fetus cares about you? Why do you care what a fetus thinks about you? Who cares if you're getting old? It's part of life. I I will tell I, I will tell you, and I think this has come up on the podcast before, but, like, even when I was a teenager, I did not give a shit what any teenager thought of me. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you know who gives a shit what like a 16 year old thinks another 16 year old by the time you're 17 you do not give a shit what a 16 year old thinks yeah and by the time you're 20 a 16 year old's opinion is laughable (laughs) if you're in your 20s and you care what a 16 year old says about you rethink your life yeah i mean literally a 16-year-old's opinion only matters to a 16-year-old. <laughs> and it's probably the 16-year and it's probably the 16-year-old who said it and no one else. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's just unless you're trying to impress that one particular 16-year-old, nobody gives a shit. 
Seriously, nobody gives a shit. There is nothing a 16-year-old can say to me that will hurt my feelings because I do not care what you think. <laughs> I will say uh in in an, again but going back to the to the advertising for this movie um obviously Wade has cancer and they actually worked with various cancer organizations for way for Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool to do various uh cancer PSAs uh mostly testicular cancer yeah they really did target uh for you know people with testicles to give themselves you know self exams and you know go to the doctor if they thought there was anything wrong i mean it was a great campaign like there's an there i mean, i think the youtube video is still up of way of uh, ryan reynolds i keep saying wade but he is wade ryan reynolds in the deadpool costume showing how to check your testicles for cancer and when i bought the deadpool on on blu-ray when it came out it had a pamphlet for testicular cancer how to check yourself and if you feel that there is something wrong to go see a doctor so for all of the bloodthirst and bloodlust and violence in this movie, they really made an effort to take the cancer part of this story seriously, both in the story and in the advertising of this movie. Yeah, which I really, really respected mm-hmm. and and still respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... Um, the thing about it is that for all the the snark in this movie, I really did think they did that part of the story very sensitively. So good for them on that. Mm. And I I appreciate that they dealt with that a, a little bit better. Yeah. We mentioned Marvel and how Marvel had to change, how they had to go to Marvel to change a few things. Well, they actually put some Marvel references in here under the table. It, they don't point them out in the movie, but if you know, you know. The first most obvious one is the character Bob. Who is Bob? In the movie, they, uh, you know, Wade is taking out all of Francis's men and he comes face to face with a former member of his special forces team named Bob. In the comics, Bob is an agent of Hydra. He works for Hydra, he works for AIM, he's a professional he's a professional henchman. He has worked for all of the evil organizations there you can think of in in Marvel comics. And he has friends with Wade Wilson and they go back far so to have a sort of character that is associated with Deadpool throughout the years in the comics in the movie, although tangentially, that actually was that actually didn't make me laugh in the movie when he said, "Bob, is that you? Oh, it's Hydra Bob." <laughs> yeah. The other, the other one is, well, not again, not pointed out, but it's a very big Marvel reference. The entire final battle takes place on a destroyed shield helicarrier. Yeah. 
How they got that around, I do not know. But yeah, the it looks and like if if nobody told you, it would look just like a battleship. Why is a battleship in a junkyard? I don't know. But yeah, this is a shield helicarrier from the MCU. I I'm surprised they got they they got away with it, but uh I thought I think it's cool that the final battle takes place on this decommissioned half destroyed shield helicarrier. Well, it's not the only uh direct reference to the MCU because, you know, skipping forward to the uh post-credit sequence he does say like hey what are you expecting samuel jackson to come out here <laughs> hit a leather coat and you know say some shit so mm. um it's it's a a couple of things you know like that but the the thing that I like is that there are so many tiny little things like there are a couple of cameos. Of course, Stan was still alive, so we get his cameo. Running the strip club. Yeah, he's the strip club DJ. I mean... Not the first time Stan Lee's been in a strip club. Stripperella. Stripperella. <laughs> um, and then uh, Liefeld is in there. Hmm. Um, because he is uh one of the the guys in the uh in Weasel's bar. Hmm. Um, and Deadpool. Well, Wade. Uh, it's before he's Deadpool. But at the beginning of the movie, when he first walks in, he actually says, uh, hey, Liefeld, and, like, puts his hand on Liefeld's shoulder and walks out. And he, it's just Liefeld is sitting there at a table. And it's really easy to miss, but if you have the captions on, you can see exactly when it happens. Yeah, he says, hey, Liefeld, and then he walks away, fucking Liefeld. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Which that second part is definitely kind of, you know, my my feeling on it. I mean, thanks for giving us Deadpool, but uh, you're not an artist. Uh, <laughs> as the song goes. Shout out Linkara. <laughs> Shout out Linkara. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So. Uh, the. Uh, you know, we get the. At least one of the creators of of Deadpool. Yeah, one of the um, Deadpool. I I want to talk about. I know we're skipping around a little bit, but I want to talk about the Colossus and Deadpool dynamic. I, I I did want to go there, but yeah, yeah, Colossus is it's very, for lack of a better term, Superman Batman. And it's not quite the same, but it is, that's the best example I can put, because you have, but it's to the extreme. It's, you know, dark to the extreme and light to the extreme. 
because you have this very dark character in Deadpool. He kills. He's very he has a foul mouth. He is willing to do anything to get things done. Then you have Colossus, who is the Boy Scout. He is he always, you know, talks about being a superhero and how you can, you know, join the X-Men, be a superhero, fight for justice. I, w- I want to say that that I like how annoying Colossus is. By design in that regard, I assume. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to like Deadpool because it's his movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked before that the protagonist does not always have to be the good guy, you know? The, the hero. The hero. Um, and Deadpool constantly says, hey, I'm I'm not the hero. Even before he becomes Deadpool. Yeah. Um, and he never wants to be the hero. But the protagonist frequently does have to be likable or at least interesting. Mm-hmm. And Deadpool is likable, even if he's not necessarily the hero. Always. Um, but... The thing is, is that Colossus is, is even though he is frequently right ethically, he is so annoying. Smug, I would say. Yeah, I mean, there's a rigidity in him, pun intended, <laughs> because of, you know... It's just his personality matches his body, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's that thing of, like, I have this ethical code, and it is, you know, he's very lawful good. Mm-hmm. And Deadpool is very chaotic neutral, I guess. You know, he'll do good if it suits him. If it pays the bills. If it pays the bills. Or if it suits his own particular moral code. Because that's the interesting thing about this film, is that he knows that what Francis and this organization is doing is wrong. Like, yes, it hurt him in particular, but he also saw what it was doing to other people. And the movie solidified... De, uh, Wade has having a soft side. Like he, ref- like you said, he refuses payment from the teenager. He even says, "Here's my drink. Here's my mo- here's the money that the kid gave me. Give that money back to the kid." And the fact that that um, the fact that Weasel calls Wade out, like, "Oh, you didn't kill the kid. You didn't kill the stalker. So are you going soft?" So it's like Wade has this thing that he just has this soft side to him that he 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 does things. He does the right thing. When he needs to, for lack of a better term. And like I said, he sees all the people in pain. He sees all these people being tortured. 
because they've got nothing left in this. Like him, he's he's hit rock bottom. He's hit fuck it. Got nothing left, and this organization is all. It's his last hope of being having a normal life, getting rid of his cancer, and what they do to him and what they do to others. That shot of of Wade with the steel rod embedded to him, looking on as this guy he's been talking to, still strapped to a gurney, burns to death. Yeah. And I mean, I can't say that I wouldn't. I mean, if I had his powers, I can't say that I wouldn't at least be tempted to go that same route. Going into Deadpool 2, when he finds out Fire Fist has been abused. Yeah. Um, He looks at his bruises. He looks like, did they do this to you? And he says, yes, they did. And he kills them. Yeah. He even says at the end is that if being a superhero means letting fuckers like Francis go free, I don't want to be a superhero. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, in that final fight, he is there to get Francis and, like, Angel, because she was there for the torture. You know, she she meant to be a part of it. Mm. But, like, all the mercenary dudes... You know, like Bob and, you know, those guys, they're just hired muscle. And he does the thing where he, like, rips his underwear off and makes it a white flag. Mm-hmm. And he t- he tells them, he's like, look, you're just working for a douchebag. Walk away and I'm not, I don't, I don't have a problem with you. You're not the people doing the wrong thing. You're just here for a paycheck. And none of them take him up on the offer. So he massacres every single one of them, except for Bob. Because Bob's his friend. friend. Yeah. They were at TGI Fridays together. Yeah. I desperately want to know what went down at TGI Fridays. Am I the only one? <laughs> That's a spinoff right there. Yeah, I really want to get a flashback to TGI Fridays and Bob and, like, because, like, Wade knows, like, his wife and, like, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, we see him, like, yeah, he knocks him out and stuff and then he moves him to the side. Yeah, he spares him because of their past. Yeah, and because Bob stood down. Like, he's like, oh, Wade. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And, you know, he, like, stands down. He doesn't fight him anymore. Um, and he's like, you know, hey, I, I gotta take you out of the action, but, you know, that, that's it. You know, you'll wake up with a headache later. I mean, he might have, he might have not woken up later because he might have been crushed by a helicarrier. Oops. Yeah. But, you know, at least Wade tried. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, like, he's really only there for, like, two people. And the rest of those guys could have walked away. And instead, their corpses got used to spell out Francis. <laughs> Which I think was one of the funniest bits of the movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> when he's like, what's my name? And he's like, oh, I'll spell it out for you. And then later there's like the corpses spelling out Francis. <laughs> On that, is Angel dead? Oh, no, because we do see uh, Colossus carrying her away from the explosion. Mm. Doesn't mean she's alive, though. I I do think it I I do think it means exactly that. Um uh, because as as everything is is crumbling when Negasonic releases that that huge blast that causes the helicarrier to fall um we see I mean it's it's a brief shot but we see uh Colossus grab Negasonic and Angel and run from the explosion and that's another part of of colossus being the big boy scout he really does not want to fight a woman i don't think that it's that he doesn't want to fight a a woman i mean yes he doesn't want to fight a woman but also like he's not going to leave a downed enemy there to just die if he can save them like you said Save a friend, spare an enemy. Yeah. But, like, he tries to talk to her. He doesn't want, you know. And then he he even tries to cover her up as her boob has fallen out during the fight. Yeah. And then for his... How does she thank him? By punching him in the dick. Yeah. But can I point out how satisfying it is to see him get wailed on? Because yeah. he's been so insufferable the entire movie. And then finally there's somebody that can give him a bit of a comeuppance. Even though we don't like her as a character. She's no better than Francis. Yeah. Um, so, like, you're not rooting for her in that fight. But also, it is nice to see Colossus kind of get roughed up a little bit. Yeah. Because he's so, like you said, he's so smug. And so to for him to come across somebody who can at least, you know, smack him around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I do like the the reflection of the four or five moments. Because earlier in the movie, we see Wade say that, that uh, the Francis was responsible for four of the worst five moments of his life. Yeah. And then later he way uh Colossus says all it takes are four and five moments to be a superhero. And it's I, I do like that 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 duality, that mirroring there, and then just Wade just shoots Francis in the head. <laughs> like I because again, Francis deserved it for what he did, not just to Wade, but to everybody else. Because it's like, that's a, that, that, again, that's a whole another uh, uh, commentary on superhero movies, the whole, you know, the, like the South Park, I learned something today, morality speech, and he's, Deadpool wasn't having it. Yeah. Although, can I point out that, like, when, when Deadpool just shoots Francis in the head, uh, because, I mean, he deserves it, let's, let's just be clear about that, the, and Colossus, like, throws up at the side of that that is possibly the effect that holds up the least 
He's throwing up silver. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's the effect that holds up the least. Yeah, it really liquid, is. CG liquid does not. You, no matter where you're going with it, CG liquid doesn't exactly age well. I mean, for the most part, the special effects in this have held up pretty well, including Colossus. Although that's probably the bit that, that holds up the least. Mm. Um, but that that one shot of him throwing up um, is the the one effect that holds up just the worst. Um, but let's talk about the bit where, you know, so the entire final showdown is because Francis has kidnapped Vanessa and is using her to lure Wade over. Um, and he tries to do the same thing to her that he did to Wade to, you know, unlock the gene. But he's just doing it to torture her. Yeah, no serum involved. He's just taking all the air out of the out of the, out of the tank. Yeah. Um. And I wish they had because the character, the character is a superhero in the comic books. Yeah, copycat. But copycat. So like, I thought like, oh, this is how we're gonna get Vanessa to become copycat in the movie, and they never go there. Yeah, um, maybe in three? I don't know. I don't know if Vanessa is back in three. But, um, but the thing is, is that he decides to fight Wade, you know, try to split his attention by putting Vanessa in that same oxygen chamber and torturing her while he's trying to kill Wade. Um, but Wade does the smart thing and throws one of his katanas at the tank and bursts the seal so that she can have oxygen. Smart boy. Smart boy. Um, but the thing I like about this is that Vanessa is a self-rescuing princess. She's able to use that sword to open the open the lid and get out. Yeah, she she uses it to cut her bonds, and then even though she slices the absolute crap out of her hands, she's able to you know push the sword out and open the the door and use the sword to stab the fuck out of Francis. That is such an absolutely wonderful scene because Francis has just stabbed Wade in the, the skull with a knife and then Vanessa comes up behind him and stabs him with a sword. To the tune of you're the inspiration. You know, and then of course because he's got a knife in his brain Wade starts hallucinating all these like Little cartoons around Vanessa. <laughs> it's such a wonderful little, you know, moment. Um, but the, the choices of music in this movie is just awesome. 
Yeah, like, him him sitting there listening to Shoop on the overpass and, you know. Doing the badass walk to X gonna give it to you. The yeah. use the use of you're the inspiration, the use of Calendar uh, Girl. The use of careless whisper at the end. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean I like that Vanessa just doesn't like sit there and wait to be rescued, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like once there's something there to for her to use you know she's like okay screw it I'm not just gonna stay here and wait for Wade to come along you know it's pretty awesome you know once the the fight is over like I said before you know she absolutely wails on him for what he did to her and rightfully so yeah and then of course we get that that great unmasking scene with the with the photo of Hugh Jackman on his face. Yeah. Um and it's stapled to his face. Like he didn't tape it, he stapled it to his face. Yeah. Um so I I love that bit. Um But of course, you know, like we said before, she's like, "Hey, you know, I I'm I'm cool with it. You know, it it will take some getting used to." Duh. It, anytime there's a change like that, it's that's human. But you know, come she on. loves him. She loves him. But then, of course, we've we've got the uh, the awesome post-credit sequence where he does the Ferris, the Ferris Bueller, Bueller thing. And, yeah, the they recreate the Ferris Bueller uh, post-credit scene. Yeah. I'm still mad that Kira Knightley I'm still mad that Kira Knightley never got to play cable. She's got range. She does have range. Um but yeah, that was the the thing is he's like there there is going to be a Deadpool 2 and it's going to have cable in it. Apparently like that was just going to be a joke. Like they didn't even know that they were going to get a sequel. But like I said, because the budget for the movie was so low and it did so well in theaters, surpassing its budget, of course they're going to do a sequel. But now they put themselves in the box because now they have to use cable because they said they were going to. Yeah, well, we'll see how that worked out sometime in the future. Yeah, yeah. At some point, we'll do Deadpool 2. Probably, I would say, if we were going to do it at all, probably around the time Deadpool 3 gets released. Or maybe we'll do it on International Women's Day. Whichever one. Whichever comes first. Whichever one. But, uh, yeah, Deadpool is such... It's, like, even if you know nothing about the character, it's still a fun movie. But if you're a real fan of the character... It is so faithful to that character and the people who made this movie. You can tell that they love this character so much that they wanted to do it right. And budget be damned, they did it. Yeah. Like, like this is, to me, top tier superhero movies. This is how you do it. Ratings be damned, budget be damned. If, as long as you're telling the right story, it can work. So, Kiki, 
I, I think it goes without saying, but does Deadpool have the magic? Fuck yeah. Absolutely. I still say it's it's still one of my favorite. It's it's the best of the Fox X-Men movies. I mean, yeah, easily. By default. Yeah, by by default it is easily the best of the Fox X-Men movies. But yeah, uh, yeah, just I can't wait for Deadpool 3 later this year. I'm looking. I don't care. I, again, haven't seen a trailer. Haven't seen anything. I'm still looking forward to it because yeah, we've we've seen like two set picks, and it's you know the, the and Ryan that Reynolds and, and that, yeah, and that original announcement trailer. Well, yeah, which doesn't really tell us anything. Just that um, Hugh Jackman was going to be in it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we've seen Hugh Jackman wearing yellow spandex, and honestly, that's kind of all you need. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't wait for Deadpool 3. Looking forward to it. Deadpool 1, still a classic movie. It's it's good. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. If you haven't seen it in a while, see it again. It's on Disney+. Plus. And that really, uh, that really shocked me. Like that, that Disney put Deadpool on Disney+. Plus. Not Hulu, not, not any other service but it's straight up disney plus right next week uh we're doing another musical we're getting back into the musicals with rogers and hammerstein's cinderella the 1997 version with brandy and whitney houston i've wanted to talk about this one for so long and finally get to talk about this version of this particular musical version of Cinderella. Yeah. Is it possible for a plain pumpkin to become a golden carriage? It's possible. <laughs> so yeah, come back next week for Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella starring Brandy, starring Whitney Houston. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at Rewatch the Magic. And new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.